Hello everyone, welcome back to Building Character and Resilience, the podcast for teachers, students and anyone who wants to form positive habits and stick to them. My name is Lil Van Vanker and today I am joined by former school principal and author of Parenting for Character, Andy Mullins. In today's episode, Andy and I will be talking in depth about building character and resilience as a general topic to build a foundation of understanding for this podcast about where the program originates from and what its purpose is. Just remember, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Creator Productions as a company. Any comments made are not intended as inflammatory or to malign any group, corporation or individual. Please bear with us as we had some technical difficulties in recording this audio, so the quality isn't perfect, but we hope that this insight to Andy and our BCR program is helpful to teachers, students, and anyone who wants to form positive habits and stick to them. Thanks for coming today, Andy. Um, How are you today? It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) It really is a delight. It's good to have you. Yeah, we're excited to chat today. So just to give um, everyone a bit of context, so Andy has helped us develop key aspects of the Building Character and Resilience Program, or we call it the BCR Program for short, um, and can offer some really valuable perspective on character from his years as a school principal and both a scholar and a teacher of character training. So in today's um, episode, we just want to talk in depth about building character resilience as a general topic to build a foundation of understanding for this podcast about where the program originates from and what its purpose is. So that's where we're sort of going with that. So Andy, are you able to just tell us a bit about yourself, just to start off with? Ah, um, very boring person. (laughs) I've, um, I started off life never wanting to be a teacher. Really? I remember looking at my teacher when I was in secondary school in maths. And he looked so sad that I thought, I never want to be a teacher because that's what teaching does to you. And then I'd been working in a youth group and I realised that teachers don't have to be like that because the guy that was running the youth group was a, was a very charismatic sort of fellow. And after that, I switched out of architecture and went into teaching. Wow. And, um, and I taught English for a long time. And then... Um, after I'd been in the government system for seven years, I moved across to a new little school that was starting in the northwest of Sydney called Redfield College. Okay. Yep. And I was at Redfield for 10 years and then they made me the principal at Redfield. Yeah. And I was the principal at Redfield for, or headmaster for 15 years after that. Wow. I'm old. <laughs> and, then, and then from there I went to the west of Sydney yep. to a school called Wallamai College where right. I was the headmaster for another four years. And I've come down to Melbourne now and I'm working in a university project in the middle there somewhere I did a doctorate and my doctorate was in what happens in our brains when we build character. (laughs) So that's the connection. Very on top. And I I wrote a book called Parenting for Character which is all about building good habits in your kids. Yes, I've read that. It was very good. So my next question is how you came to be involved with character training and study more specifically. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think... Because the school, well, and maybe it goes back to the government schools that I was working in, that, that I remember vividly trying to have a conversation with a young man who was not handing in his work, and he said to me at lunchtime, because that was the only time he could talk to people, Sir, I lack self-motivation. And I'm thinking, what does that mean? <laughs> and then I realised that certainly the government system was not set up for counselling kids, in that, in that sense, at least, unless you are a counsellor. Um, I remember also vividly at a parent night, and this is a bit of a sad story, um, talking to another, a mother of another child, 
and saying, I, I'm having trouble with your son. Um, he doesn't work hard enough. And she said to me, mm, I find the same thing. He just lies on his bed and smokes dope every night. I'm thinking, whoa. And then, years later, his younger brother told me, I suppose I inquired after the older brother's welfare, right? And then the younger brother told me, I, I knew him at university. He said to me, my mother told you that? She was the worst. <laughs> now, I don't know what that means. Well, I do know what it means. But the problem is there's a massive issue there in terms of building character in kids if, if the example of the adults around them is not in sync and if the kids are not getting consistent messages. So, And then when I went to Redfield and the Parents for Education schools, I found that these schools were designed to work closely with parents and and to build characters effective, as effectively as possible. And the template we used was good habits or virtues. And um, often when we talk about character, it's a, it's a phrase we like to use, but we don't understand the mechanics of it. And, um, you know, the ancient Romans said, look, character is the sum of our habits. Um, um, the ancient Greeks, I mean, there's a guy called Aristotle who's like the most insightful genius about parenting. And he simply says that um, happiness is the reward of virtue and virtues are good habits. Um, so I think once we draw the connection there between habits, which are virtues, if they're good habits, and how habits empower us for happiness, it's a bit of a lay down. You, you just go, you really, you realise I've got to put my focus on this if I want to give these kids something for life. That sort of idea. Um, so how are you still involved in character training or in, in talking to groups or whatever? Okay. Um, the book that I wrote, Parenting for Character, certainly um, opens a lot of doors for me. I've spoken in quite a number of conferences and overseas in a number of different countries on those topics. I've had the privilege of teaching each year at University of Notre Dame in Sydney they have in their master's program a formation of character course. So they asked me to write the course, and so I'm teaching that each, typically each second semester. And um, I mean, it's a delight because you've got very motivated teachers there in front of you and, and you're able to pass on what you think is really important. So can you explain to us what a virtue is and talk to us about the cardinal virtues? When we're talking about character, we're talking about what is a human being and what should a human being do if they want to develop themselves and be happy. Um, and it seems to me this is really important for teachers or for parents, obviously. Anyone who's got kids in their care, they want to make sure that they, they are giving that young person everything they need to be happy in life. If you go to um, Martin Seligman's work in Positive Psychology, for example, um, he, he's the first chapter of a very important book he wrote before he produced this sort of school of positive psychology. Um, was a book called Character, Strengths and Virtues. And the very first chapter of that book talks about virtues across different societies and civilizations. And he looks at the history of character in, in mankind, if you like. And he looks at all the different societies. And C.S. Lewis did the same thing. And he realizes that there are some common traits of character that every society has tried to focus on. And he comes up with five characteristics, and one of those is transcendence. And Plato and Aristotle spoke about the cardinal virtues, which are four strengths of character. Um, so in a sense, there's, these guys are very much on the same ground. You can map the four cardinal virtues to Seligman's five strengths of character very easily. 
the genius of this is that, and it really didn't come out until the Middle Ages, um, the genius of this is that um, we realised, or they, Aquinas was probably the first person to really put this on paper and explain it, that human beings have four great domains of action. We have desires for pleasure, we have desires for difficult goals, appetites for difficult goals, if you like, and we, we're going to struggle to get there. Um, we have the power of choosing what we chase, so to reflect and then choose. And then the last great power we have is to know the truth or to know reality. And Aquinas says, makes a lot of sense to me, that each of those four great domains in a human being need their corresponding excellence, which is a, the word for virtue is excellence in, in, in Latin Greek. And so we need the four cardinal virtues then, uh, two of them are in the emotional domain, so temperance and fortitude, that we pursue pleasures, but we only pursue pleasures to the extent they're good for us. Fortitude, which is the power to put up with difficulty for a good goal. Justice, which is the, um, which is the habit of always making choices in a non-self-centred way, which is really basic and we've forgotten this in our world. And we can't be happy if we're self-indulgent all the time. It's very interesting. And the last one is the habit of seeking the truth. But seeking reality, not just sort of, not just being happy in my convictions, because people can give themselves reasons for anything, but, but really seeking what is objectively true. And if we have those four qualities in our character, we have the complete kit in order to make our course in life. Um, I mean, Aristotle insisted happiness is a reward of virtue. If we can think clearly and make the right choices and bring other people into the picture so that we have strong relationships, we're sailing. So we have our four categories for the building character and resilience. We sort of we've got respect and responsibility, sound judgment, um, self mastery, and courage and strength as our um, as our categories based off those cardinal virtues. Very wise, very wise of the ancient philosophers. Very so. wise that you picked those um, for them. Yes. So the next sort of question would be, um, what what is resilience? Because we're looking at that in um, in the program quite yeah, heavily, and um, also what does it look like in terms of practical terms? This is a great question. Yeah, um, there's some very good books out on this, like Carol Dweck's Mindset, um, Angela Duckworth, Grit, and um, and these they, these are very very prominent psychologists who have um, explored this in detail in a way that certainly engages with modern psychology, but it completely syncs with with the idea of the cardinal virtues. Um, what are they talking about? They're talking about in the end, developing fortitude in our characters so that we can put up with difficult things for a good reason. Um, can I give you a story that illustrates this a little bit? Um, uh, very nice story. When I was at Redfield, there was a young man at Redfield in year 9 and 10 who, he was such a delightful kid. He loved surfing. He was not a wonderful student in year 10. and. Uh, he puts up on his wall next to his desk at home at the start of year 11, 99. And his dad goes into his room and he says, mate, I don't want you to be disappointed. Do you think it's realistic? And he says to his father, dad, I need a goal. And he pushed himself incredibly. I mean, the teachers could not believe the change in this young man in terms of his self-motivation. 
and he got 98.6 or something like this, right? Nobody would have thought he would have got higher than 80 two years before. What's going on? One, he set himself goals, but then he pursued those goals with determination. So I think when we're talking about resilience, it's important that we have the capacity to, not just to put up with difficulties, not just to um, suffer setbacks and get up again, which is sort of the mindset stuff, um, but also that we have the power to set ourselves challenging goals and strive for them. I think it's really, really important. I mean, too often I see young people in their 20s who don't set themselves goals, and that's catastrophic. Um, we've got our lives ahead of us. It's marvellous if you go for things, right? And, and we have this capacity, if we're teachers and parents, to inculcate in young people the capacity to set goals and not to drop their shoulders when something gets difficult. And we have to start from very early to do that. Yeah, well, we're looking at um, why character is so important for, for children and for adults alike. And, you know, you've spoken a little bit about that. And in terms of when you speak to groups, um, so you speak to parents and you speak to teachers and different people um, around this topic of character um, and about resilience. So what is your main message or if you want your audience to take away one thing, you know, to recall one thing from a, a discussion or a seminar that you've run, what would that be? Mm. Normally I would highlight a number of things. Um, I would highlight consistency of message for kids, that it's really important that, that everybody who's involved in the education of a young, young person is united, that they're giving the same messages. Um, otherwise it's very confusing for a young person. And we see this all the time. We see if the peer group is pulling kids in one direction and mum and dad are saying something different, it's a recipe for disaster. Um, but if parents are saying one thing and the school says, no, we know better, well, one, it's a bit arrogant for the school to say that, but secondly, it's going to confuse the child. And we've seen that at times with government programs imposed on schools, and, and, and unfortunately, that sometimes means that, that, that the kids are, are quite confused. Um, so that's one big principle. Um, another idea I love coming back to is that all good parenting comes back to one graph. And, uh, but this is applying to teachers as well. So on one axis, you have affection or you know, genuine attention to the child, um, where we really give that child the dignity of, of our full attention and giving them importance. And on the other axis, you have challenge, expectations, if you like demanding this, but in a very positive way. And you have to be high on both. You have to have a lot of attention and affection to the child, and you have to be high on expectations. Children rise to our expectations. And, um, and if we have a lot of affection, but there's no challenge, the kids will not be life ready. And if there's a lot of demand, but there's no encouragement, then we will drive that child away. It's a very interesting idea, isn't it? Um, so there's some very practical things that, that, that help people a lot once they realise, no, there's a strategy behind this. Mm, I can do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's the biggest lesson of virtue that you personally have learned in your life, either through, you know, a, a learning challenge or even a mistake that you made or something? Is there a story that you can mm. tell us of something? It doesn't have to be the biggest No, time, it's a just, good, good you know, question. A time that was very memorable. Good question. Learned. Yeah, one thing that was very memorable to me from teaching, right? I mean, we all make, I make a lot, a lot of mistakes, <laughs> but, but one, one, story that comes to mind as soon as you've asked that question because it was so stark for me, right, was a young man in year four or five, so a boy, was shoplifting. 
and the shopkeeper came to us at Redfield and he said, hey, I've got your young man here. He's been shoplifting. And okay, the principal said, leave it with us. And then the next morning um, we rang the parent and, and said, listen, your son's got something to talk to you about. Um, hear him out. And we knew that the father was quite, quite feisty. So we really wanted to warn the father, don't fly off the handle. The next night, the father rang us. The next day, the father rang us and said, thank you, my son grew six inches last night. We had the best conversation we've ever had. Thinking, well, that's fantastic. But then nine years later, when that boy left school, I asked his class, him included, please write for me a paragraph about the best moment in your schooling life. And he wrote about the time that he talked to his father and it changed his relationship with his father. So there's something very deep within us about facing up to our mistakes, being honest, talking about them, trying to overcome them. And he's a great young man now. He's got his own family and he's doing a great job as a dad. <laughs> very nice, isn't it? Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Cool. That's really great. But it shows that sincerity is something so deep in our hearts that if we're not sincere, we realise we, there's nothing that can substitute for it. Well, in our first episode, we discussed Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, yeah. who's the author of that, and um, obviously lived in concentration camps during World yeah. War II. And just sort of thinking about how it's it's probably safe to say that most people have some kind of moral training or instruction as kids, but when it comes to a challenging time, to say the least, of like wartime, what's the difference between a person who will rise to the challenge and shine morally and is able to survive mm. through something like that mentally and someone who will give in to the worser parts of our human nature? Yeah, gee, it's an interesting question and none of us have been tested in that way, right? I mean, it's a very tough one, that one. Um, I mean, Frankel's idea is, is profoundly important that if we have meaning, if we discover meaning, if we can realise that what I'm doing has some, some transcendent meaning, then um, this will enable me to, to get through this. Um, so I think what it shows is that when we face difficulties, we've got to find meaning in those difficulties. Um, that, um, and that, you know, people come from different directions, you know, but, um, you know, for a person with, 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 you know, religious faith, they will say, well, difficulties are meant to make me pray. They're meant to bring me closer to God. But for a parent who's sick, they realise, well, this sickness that I have is a way of teaching my children how to handle sickness. So that's also, it's finding meaning in a difficulty. Um, um, a person who has to study hard for school, they realise that this is a way of um, developing my talents so that I can put my best at the service of others, not just get a big pay packet, you know. I mean, in the end, that's, that's a, that would be a travesty of meaning. I think it's, you know, one of the big messages from virtue is that as much as possible, we need to package our actions so that they serve others. And if we can succeed in doing that, we will be happier. Um, it's it's self-centeredness and self-indulgence and this radical individualism of our time that in the end isolates people and makes them unhappy. And and the four cardinal virtues help us to focus outwards, not just focus on ourselves. What are the consequences of not developing character, uh, both on an individual mm. level and on a societal level? Sort of what happens yeah. there? Um, well, if we don't develop character, what do we get? 
Um, first of all, we get simply bad habits, um, which we would probably prefer to be different. So we lie in bed, the alarm goes off, and we hit the snooze button every time. I remember one kid telling me, Sir, I know what to do, but I just can't do it. There's something in that, isn't there? That, that, that first of all, we're our own worst enemies because we can't dominate our emotional desires, right? Um, but then there's something more insidious that um, once we become accustomed to our own weaknesses and lack of effort, then we start to justify it to ourselves. And once we start to justify bad habits, we give ourselves all sorts of reasons why I should be selfish, then that becomes a vice. And that becomes something which is really entrenched in our character. And I mean, my doctorate was about what happens in our brains when we build habits, but also when we build vices. And, and we're wiring these things for better or for worse. So if we develop a bad habit, all we can do, we can never eradicate that pathway of behavior. You know, an alcoholic will always be an alcoholic. He's just got to avoid it, right? Well, in the end, it's a bit the same. If, if I've had a habit of losing my temper when I'm younger, I can always, in a moment of tiredness, lose it, right? So what's really important is I, I put strong workarounds so that I make a real effort to treat other people well and greet them with a smile, and that means that I'm more, much more likely to overcome that habit of getting impatient, for example. So. This idea of workarounds is really important once we're adults, that, that, we, that we know ourselves, we're mindful about our difficulties, and we try to build up contrary good habits and not just put up with the bad habits. Yes, that's good, I agree. So what are some key things that teachers and parents can do to support students as they're growing in their character, that as a support role, some key things, or especially as a teacher? Yeah. Yeah, and one of the most important things with little kids is obviously to train them and to give them good emotional example. Um, that's really important for primary kids and for parents and younger kids. But for secondary kids, probably the most important thing is don't take over. Don't let kids walk into bear pits, so protect them from really big mistakes and, um, and be very clear about why you're protecting them. No, I can't let you go to that sleepover with the guy who got busted last week for marijuana, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, be clear about the reasons and say no if you have to, if it's a case of physical or moral danger. But in every other case, let your young person make their mind up and then debrief afterwards. Um, because you're giving them, what are we doing with, with teenagers? We're teaching them to run their own lives. Um, um, some of the best definitions I've heard of growing up, I think this is very interesting. Um, yeah, Jim Stenson is, a, is an American author who I've had a fair bit to do with. I brought him out to come and talk to parents at, at, at Redfield. Um, he says young people grow up when they can look after others and want to. I think there's a lot in that. It's sort of profound that, that, that human maturity is completely entwined with the idea of relationships with others. And if we don't care for others, we're some, we've got a big gap in our personality. Um, uh, and then there was a father of 16 by the name of Raphael Pick, who uh, is a wonderful, he's passed away now, he's like everybody's grandfather when you meet him, he's a delightful fellow, he did a, lot in, did a lot of work in family education, but one of his favourite sayings was that um, children have a right to learn to solve their own problems, so we mustn't helicopter kids so that they don't face problems. We must help them face problems in a positive way. What are some barriers or a main barrier to character growth? Mm. 
probably you can. Know. I mean, Plato, Plato's view. Plato's view was that if we knew what the right thing was to do, we would always do it. Um, so for Plato, the idea of knowledge was really, really important, and that's and that's still valid in many, you know, to, to a great extent. What Aristotle added to Plato's philosophy was the idea that we are embodied and our emotions can be wild cards. So it's really important that we train our emotions because otherwise our emotions can derail our thinking. And yet it's sad, but still, you know, we don't have the clarity of psychology that these guys had at times in the way we think in the 21st century. So I, I, I think ignorance is still one of the biggest challenges. You know, at times you meet people who are who know what they should do and they are just very, very bloody-minded, but it's not that common. It's usually we've convinced ourselves that we're doing the right thing. Last question now, what is the ultimate reward of developing character? Ah, happiness. <laughs> <laughs> um, even, even George Washington said this. George Washington said that there is an intrinsic relationship between happiness and virtue. It's interesting. And, 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 and Aristotle in... Aristotle, think what, you know, if, to any parent who is listening to this now, think what you gave your kids for Christmas, right? Well, Aristotle gave his son, Nicomachus, a book. And the book that he gave him, we know as the Nicomachean Ethics. And the, the Nicomachean Ethics is a book about how to develop character, how to develop, in fact, good habits. So... And in that book, you could say that this was the discovery of happiness in Western civilization. And in that book, there is the phrase, happiness is the reward of virtue. And it gets us thinking, you know, because obviously in our society, we, we seek happiness in possessions, in power, in pleasure. But Aristotle would say, mm, no, no. In order to do good stuff, you've got to be good to start with. And then if we can, we can sort ourselves out in terms of our, if we can train our emotional life and think clearly and really turn outwards towards others in our actions, we will be happy. Great. Well, thanks, Andy. This has been really great. That's probably all we've got time for today, but um, it's been fantastic to discuss the understanding, the basics of character and where it all comes from. So thank you. For thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> We hope that you liked this episode with Andy Mullins. Don't forget that you can follow us on Instagram at Building Character and Resilience and also like our Facebook page. We would love to build a community where we can engage with our listeners and hear your stories. If you liked this episode, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share this episode with your friends. Every bit of support will enable us to help more people and we'd love to hear your feedback. Our next episode will be live and available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and all other streaming services. Bye.